KDXI 100.3, it's time for tips, topics, issues, and positions, hosted by Dr. Bob Oxley from Dixie State University. Hello everyone, this is Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions, and uh, my name is Bob Oxley, and I'm going to be happy to uh, give us our next session here, and today's session is going to be concerning the topic of freedom of speech. And the issue that we want to take a look at today is, uh, do public colleges and universities have the authority to prohibit individuals to express their controversial opinions and ideologies, uh, challenging the freedom of speech by disinviting speakers? Is our population becoming so sensitized that we're not allowing anyone to offer controversial opinions? I have uh, Associate Professor Joe Green who's been at Dixie State University now for over 39 years, and he's the associate professor in our history and political science department here at Dixie State. And uh, Professor Green, thank you so much for being with us and uh, talking about this issue concerning freedom of speech and all the things that are going on here as far as we're seeing a lot of public universities and colleges uh, disinviting invited guests uh, because they're, they're fearful of what the response will be on the part of the student body. And sometimes we've had protests. And I guess my question for you to start with is uh, recent hate speech concerns. Is, is that legitimate or is that just a trend or a fad or? Uh, good to be with you, Bob. Uh, that's a hard question. The, um, because uh, as you know, I don't, I'm not very good at predicting the future. Uh, and what's going on. So I hope it is, uh, the best I can hope for is that it is just a fad or a trend. Uh, it's certainly part of a uh, movement that has developed on our college campuses, especially in the humanities and the social sciences called postmodernism. Uh, and uh, shutting down speech is consistent with the postmodern uh, ideology. Okay, so... so yeah, I, here's my question. Let me let me let me go a little bit. What I wanted to say was, what are the legal challenges that have taken place in our country? Is this something new, or do we have a a history of challenges? And was it because our population was sensitized? It was the time of the time of the uh, like, for instance, the Nazis or the communists, or is it just a uh, something from a legal trend that we've been a building block? Uh, because I thought we were based on freedom of speech here in the United States. Uh, We've always had people who got offended by us, by speeches uh, or by the the opinions and ideas that uh, people that didn't agree with them had. Uh, this is as old as humanity itself. Uh, in the United States, uh, you'll uh, remember from your history that we had Alien and Sedition Acts uh, right at the beginning of our country where anyone who criticized John Adams' government, which meant Thomas Jefferson and his followers— uh, uh, were threatened with uh, going to jail. Uh, and uh, they, uh, Jefferson, uh, uh, Jefferson's response to that was that uh, if, if, really interesting, if states didn't agree with that, the states could secede. <laughs> this wow. was the first time we heard about secession was as a re result of that. Uh, in world, at the beginning of World War I, we passed an espionage act. It made it illegal to criticize the government in the conduct of the war. 
to criticize the draft, to criticize the flag, to criticize uh, since you and I uh, were alive during the Vietnam years, that's really hard to understand, but there were uh, actually people who went to jail, life terms, for passing out literature criticizing the draft as uh, uh, in uh, during the 1917-1918 period. Um, we, you and I also were uh, young but alive when the McCarthy era was going on, when people could be uh, uh, who, who had opinions that uh, one group of people said were uh, too, way too close to uh, Soviet communism, uh, could be, uh, they, they could be fired from the government, they could be uh, in Hollywood, they were blacklisted, and couldn't work. Uh, Brian Cranston did the movie Trumbo just recently uh, about that. And it was simply, my ideas, my words are offensive to this group. Therefore, the group shuts me down. Okay. So, uh, I don't know. Um, those, are, those are some that, come, that, that, that are like this. This is just another one of those movements. And on the campuses, the people who think this way, that some kinds of, uh, of speech, well, some groups, okay, simply be, by being a member of a group that you, you by definition have certain opinions that are uh, racist or sexist or homophobic, and therefore you should be shut down simply because you're the raw, you're the, you're, you're white or you're male, or uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that's going on. Okay. Well, I got a question for you. I'm going to test you here. How do you think John Stuart Mill might react? To what's going on here as far as freedom of speech or lack of freedom of speech. Now, for the listeners, Bob knows that I'm a, a great fan of John Stuart Mill, so I know, I think I know what he would say. <laughs> uh, Mill, Mill believed that any attempt to shut down speech was an assertion of infallibility. Uh, that mean to me, that means um, that someone believes that their speech uh, and their ideas that uh, that inform their speech are absolutely correct, absolutely true, and therefore anybody who agrees to disagrees with the position that they're taking is wrong. And if if the position is that we're taking is a moral position, a position about right and wrong, then the person who disagrees is evil. Okay, so infallibility leads one to the position that my enemy is evil, that the person who opposes me is evil. And Mill also says that uh, the assertion of infallibility is always associated with a group, with my religion, with my race, with my ethnic group, with, uh, and therefore you, you get the, this really interesting uh, idea that infallibility leads to the idea that, that be, just being a member of a group makes you evil. Okay, and uh, from there we get into some really, really horrible uh, outcomes when people when people think like this. Uh, and uh, so that's that's where I think Mill what, what Mill was warning us against. Yeah, <clears throat> his uh, his attitude. Uh, toward what this, uh, what's going on is we're actually 
limiting speech. We're trying to uh, uh, cause it to not give us a clear and, and precise and give us a balance as far as pros and cons on opinions, and we're getting isolated from those types of remarks. Um, do, you think, do you think that the current population and the, some of the, the fear is that from a, they, they claim hate speech is based on the, their historical knowledge of the Nazis and the Communist Party? Uh, saying if, if their feeling is that if we stop these people that are attacking certain groups or ethnicities, uh, gender, uh, race, um, do you think that uh, just because of their knowledge of what transpired in the Nazis with their propaganda against the Jews and the communists uh, with their attacks on certain groups that were against the government, uh, do you think that that's part of the reason that Students are protesting in some areas on the campuses and requiring the administration to disinvite some speakers on those campuses? Uh, that's usually the reason they give. Uh, the group Antifa that uh, dresses in black and prevents conservative speak, tries to prevent conservative speakers uh, always claim that, uh, that the conservative speakers are Nazis, uh, that they have Nazi sympathies, uh, uh, the irony of that is that they are they're making the the claim that they can shut down speech is exactly uh, the mirror image of the claim that Hitler and Goebbels, Goebbels and uh, and the Nazis made uh, when they said that uh, anybody who disagreed with their nationalist and racial uh, and racial theories uh, was uh, was the enemy. They were the Evil. See, Hitler had an infallible, made an assertion of infallibility. He made assertion, and the assertion of infallibility means that if you disagree with me, you're committing blasphemy. You're evil. You've committed a sin. So, if I was a liberal, in the in the European sense of the term liberal person, someone who prayed democracy and free speech, and I tried to uh, oppose Hitler, then I would get arrested. I'm the enemy. Or if I uh, was a socialist and uh, I was didn't think that Hitler had the right way either, and I uttered my speech, that was the, that was also the enemy, and I was arrested and put in the concentration camp. But even more nefarious is that in Hitler's ideology, okay, the enemy was, as Mill alluded to, defined as a group, okay, as Jews. So you were you were evil simply because you were born. In, in, into what Hitler called the Jewish race. I don't think that's the right term, but, uh, and maybe we shouldn't even use it. But if I was Jewish, I was evil simply because I was born Jewish or gypsy. Okay? Uh, the, in the Soviet Union, they did exactly the same thing. Uh, when they were, uh, 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 when, when they were attempting to industrialize the Soviet Union, they needed money. And the way that they got it was to go and steal grain from Ukrainian and Belarusian peasants and uh, starving to death the peasants. Ten million of these peasants died. And if you read the accounts of the people who were involved in that, uh, these peasants were the bourgeoisie. Marxists say that the enemy is the bourgeoisie. These are poor peasants. Okay, uh, They were called kulaks, which is the 
in in the in the term of the Bolsheviks, the uh, Stalin's people uh, was akin to being a bourgeoisie. So we have bourgeoisie among us, and so it's okay to steal all their food and let their children die and let them die. And again, this is documented. Ten million people died between 1931 and 1933 uh, as they attempted to uh, to socialize and collectivize agriculture. They took all the grain. They sold it to in, into Germany and bought industrial equipment with it in order to industrialize the, the system. So uh, we use we we can use speech speech prevention, uh, and we we can turn it in. And make it really, really, really horrible if if we allow this to go on. So, what can be done? What we, can, we're seeing a number of administrations caving into the pressures uh, from the student groups and the activists on these campuses. And obviously, uh, you're an advocate of freedom of speech that we should be able to have the ability to listen to both sides. We have the option not to attend those speeches, uh, not to listen. We have we. Uh, we have our own adopted opinions, and if you choose not to listen to anything that might be uh, counter to your adopted opinion, that's your prerogative. But we shouldn't uh, step on toes and not allow these people to express their opinions. Is this basically what you're saying, Professor Green? Uh, in my view, uh, uh, you know, one person can't do a whole lot. Uh, if, especially if this is a big social movement, and it is on the campuses, uh, I would hope that, uh, uh, that maybe we would talk to our political leaders and try and vote for people who uh, who believe in uh, in the First Amendment freedoms. Um, although people have different interpretations of what that means, but uh, uh, you know, when I was young and when you were young, that there was pretty well an understanding of what freedom of speech meant uh, that we don't kind of have now. I think if it's happening on campuses and they're public universities that we should, uh, uh, as someone on a campus, I should, I should stand up. Uh, I would hope other people would stand up and speak out against it uh, to the extent to administrators and so on, to the extent that we can. I'm not sure how effective all of that would be. The only thing I can really think of is that everybody is an individual. Simply uh, uh, think about these issues, think about what the implications might be, and, uh, and uh, you know, come to uh, uh, read some history and come to understanding of why the First Amendment says what it does. It had to do with mainly Catholics and Protestants who were killing each other over being offended. I'm offended that you're a Protestant. No, I'm offended that you're Catholic, and now that you're a Protestant, you're a member of a, of, of a her- heretical group, a blasphemer group, and so it's better for society if we kill you. And that went on for 150 years. Uh, in England, it got a little messed up because of the different kings and queens who came along, so that one would support one side and one would support the other. And out of that, in 150 years, emerged this idea that we should tolerate everybody's speech that uh, we were not getting anywhere killing each other. And so let's just tolerate everybody. And so pluralism in the way that we understand it, where a Catholic can be a Catholic and a Protestant can be a Protestant and a Muslim can be a Muslim and a liberal can be a liberal and a conservative can be a conservative. 
Okay, that's where the First Amendment came from. That's what James Madison, that's the history he was reading, and he thought that it was a very practical way to, uh, to keep society from disintegrating. Uh, when, you have, when you make a claim of absolute knowledge and absolute morality, you're making the claim that you have the right, that very claim you, you, you have the right to force someone else to behave the way or believe the way that your perfect knowledge dictates, okay? And that just, people aren't going to put up with that, and so that leads to, to all kinds of uh, 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 violence, uh, dissension. Uh, it's not, not really the way we want, want our country to, to, to work, and that's what this movement on the campuses is eventually going to lead to. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been remarkable, and the topic today was freedom of speech, and we've had the pleasure of listening to Professor Joe Green, who's been here at Dixie State University for 39 years, and we certainly do appreciate, and I know our listeners do, appreciate you taking your time for your busy schedule and giving us some insight as to what we really mean by freedom of speech and the situation, the issue being of the controversies on the nation's public universities and colleges when it comes to freedom of speech and and uh, hopefully they'll take your advice and so we will maintain that freedom of speech for all people on all campuses across this nation. This has been TIPS and we're looking forward to seeing and hearing from you uh, during the next two weeks. You can always give us a call here at, at KDXI at 100.3 FM and uh, looking forward to our next topic, issue, and position in about two weeks. So, good night.